I'm excited about uh, what we have in store today and the weeks to come. We're going to be starting a new series on the armor of God. Oh, how about that for an introduction to a series? Man, I couldn't have timed that out any better. Uh, wow. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I think we chose right <laughs> what to preach on. No, we, uh, man, we're in a place in the world and in our lives where we, we need to know that we need to put on the armor of God. Amen. And uh, I'm excited. Today's going to be an introduction to the armor of God. We're not going to actually get into all the, the pieces of armor today. We'll save that starting next week. But Paul, in his book to the Ephesians, kind of sets it all up for everybody. And we're going to kind of take the first couple verses of, of the, the chunk of verses that are about the armor of God and really just look at what is going on, okay? So, um, I'm excited. I'm excited about this. Why don't you with me, if you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to Ephesus. And this is what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. It's quite, quite the introduction there, right? But this is, this is big time. These are things that we need to, dis to discuss. And I'm going to, I don't normally do this, but I want to ask this morning, um, we're all, we're all, you know, no one in here is trying to be this perfect Christian. I think we can all admit we're all a mess, okay? Um, if, if you feel okay, I want you to raise your hand right now and just feel like, man, I've been, I've been attacked. I've been getting beat up and like the world is my punching bag and, and uh, I'm just ready. To, yeah, okay. And see, there's a few of us and, and, in. You know, I'm going to quote uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, not my, or no, The Rise of the Skywalker, um, not my favorite one. But what it says in there a couple of times is the enemy will always try, try to make you feel alone. And when we're under attack, a lot of times we feel like we are alone. And this is only happening to me. But if you notice, Paul wrote this in God kept it in the Bible for everyone to read. All right. If this was only for the Ephesians in this moment in time, specific to this thing, then it would have just been a letter sent to them that we never would have had the privilege to read. But God knew that we were not alone in this fight. And so he put these verses in here for all of us. So that when we feel like giving up, when we feel attacked, when we feel like we're the world's punching bag, we can look to these verses and remember what is going on. I, mean, I look at uh, the space launch, SpaceX, a couple weeks ago. How many of us would have liked to just bought a ticket and said, sign me up. I'm, I, I need a break from the world for a little while. You know, they, if they had sold tickets for that rocket, they would have paid off whatever they owed on that rocket right then and there. It would have been a line all the way to Texas. Because life is hard right now. And we need to understand why. And here's an interesting question for, for all of us to consider. In a room full of believers that just sang some powerful worship, these songs that we can then... Lift our hands and say, yeah, that's me. I've been feeling like I just want to quit and give up. And it lifts my hands in the air on all that. Why is that? And the reason is, is because we have an enemy that is real. 
in that once our life, in that once our life, and Jesus himself said in John 10.10, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You know, and I, used, I, I grew up on that verse, but I really only ever focused on the second half of that verse. Hey, I'm a Christian, but you know, life can be good. Jesus came to give life to the full. Amen. Yeah. But we forget about that first half, which there is an enemy that has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy us. And it's real. And here's the thing. We are in a spiritual battle. And if you are ignorant of that or ignore it, chances are you are losing that battle. If you don't understand that your soul is being fought over by powers and principalities, then chances are you're losing that battle. But when we are aware of it, then we can start fighting it. And we need to be aware of it because it can beat you down and make you want to quit, make you want to give up and throw in the towel. But I'm here to tell you, that's not what we're called to do. That's not what we're called to do. So what I want to do this morning is kind of break down these three verses that, that Paul writes here in Ephesians and kind of look at it one by one. And the first verse says, going back to verse 10, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And this is the last chapter of the letter to Ephesians, to the Ephesians. So Paul wraps up this letter in this last chapter by saying, look, after everything I've said to you, after everything that I've instructed you, all this stuff that I've been listing in the first five chapters, now I want to say, finally, after all that, here's the grand finale. Here's the, so listen to me, all right? These are my final words to you. Listen closely, and what does he say? He says, be strong. Be strong, because attacks are going to come. But be strong. He doesn't say, work out as much as you can. Do everything in your own power, and be strong in your power. And if you train hard enough, if you do everything that you're supposed to do as a Christian, you obey all the laws, and you're a good little boy or girl, and you'll be strong, and you'll be able to stand up. He doesn't say that. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. A lot of times when we feel like giving up and we feel like quitting is because we've been fighting this spiritual battle out of our own strength and out of our own doing and trying to do this and that and the other. And Paul says, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying be strong, but do it in the Lord's strength and in his mighty power, because it's his mighty power that has conquered death. It is his mighty power that has overcome sin and, and will allow you to overcome as well. But we need to look at no further than Jesus to know that we can't, we can't fight this battle ourselves. So Paul says, don't do it in your strength, but do it in the Lord's strength and in his mighty power. I want to look in 1 Samuel chapter 30, a great illustration of this. Starting in verse 1, is a story of David, and he and his men are coming back from fighting, when they're out to battle, and they're coming home. And it says, starting in verse 1, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. 
Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it, and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. Wow. Talk about wanting to give up and the world treating you like its own punching bag. David and his men had been out fighting. They'd been gone. They were traveling back home and all they wanted to do was get home and see their wives and to see their children and be with family and have a good night's sleep in their own bed. Tired, hungry, missing their families. And they get home and what do they find? No home and no family. I mean, can you imagine what that must have been like? I mean, it says that they wept so hard that they literally had no more strength in their bodies. They mourned so hard when they got back home that they, could, they, had, they had nothing left. And then on top of that, if you're David, not only is your house gone and burned down and your family's gone and you don't know, you know, you think, I mean, just, I mean, our hardest days, we can at least go back home and hug our wives and our, our spouses and see our kids. We have that. David didn't have that. And then on top of that, now he starts hearing whispers that the men want to stone him to death. Think about that for a second, what that must have been like. And I want to pause that story right there and shift to another story that's just two chapters earlier about a different scenario and a different king, King Saul, and what happens and what he does when he's faced with terror. It says in 1 Samuel 28, so we're just going back two chapters here, Starting in verse 3, it says, Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and the spirits from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. Interesting here. Saul, King Saul, is met with the Philistine army, and terror has filled his heart. He is freaking out. Because he sees this army before him, this thing that looks insurmountable, that's going to lead to his death. And he is filled with terror. And so it's interesting what he does here. It says that he inquires of the Lord, but the Lord doesn't answer him. All right? And then what does he do? He goes back to old habits. Because it says in that verse that we just read that Saul got rid of all the, the mediums and all the spiritists. But then when the Lord wouldn't answer, when he couldn't hear the voice of the Lord, he says, go get me one of the mediums. Bring him here so that I can ask them what I should do. So I can ask, crazy story, by the way, if y'all haven't read it, conjures up the spirit of Samuel, talks to him. And it's interesting what happens when we are in the thick of it and we call out to the Lord and we don't immediately hear his voice, how we can 
fall back into old habits that aren't the Lord, that are far from the Lord. Because in our terror or in our grief, we want to self-medicate if God's not going to answer. And those old habits are bad habits. But we'll, we'll go this way or that way because we tried, God, I didn't hear you. And so now I'm going to try and strengthen myself by falling into old habits. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, abuse, whatever it might be, because we didn't continue to go after the Lord. And in our terror, we tried to strengthen ourselves by our own things. And we fell back into old habits, just like Saul does right here. And I believe the Lord was trying to teach Saul something here. And Saul wouldn't have it. But in those moments, we got to cry out to God over and over and over and over again and beat that drum until we hear the voice of the Lord. That's why we sing these songs over and over again. Because sometimes we need to sing that bridge he is for you 500 times before it actually sinks in, before we can hear it for ourselves. We can read the scripture for someone else all day long, saying, I'm not hearing it, Lord. We'll, we'll read it over again, sing it over again, until it gets in your heart. But if you sing that song, you say, okay, that's great, I'm gonna go home. I didn't really hear from the Lord, so I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna go my own way this time. It's gonna be in the bad habits that lead to our own destruction, and we are not going to be strengthened by those things. There is only one thing that will strengthen us for this battle, and that is the Lord and His mighty power. That is it. Saul didn't realize that. In his terror, he panicked. He tried God, no answer. Let me go find someone else. We can't be like that. We can't be like that. Beat the drum. Read the Psalms. Listen to David. How long, O oh Lord? How long? Over and over again, he keeps crying out to God. Keep crying out. Keep singing the song. Keep singing the song as long as it takes. Because here's what David did. Well, now let's go back to his story. No family, no house. His soldiers ready to kill him. Verse 6, says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. That's how he got through. He didn't fall into old habits. He didn't panic. He didn't look at the circumstances and said, put me on the spaceship, I want out of here. He was strengthened in the Lord because he knew. Why do you think God says of David, he's a man after my own heart? It's not because he's perfect. It's because he knew. He knew that God was the only thing that was ever going to get him through. And that's where he got his strength. He didn't fall into old habits. He continued to beat the drum over and over and over and over again. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. Let us beat the drum, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, 
He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him. Consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, so that you won't quit, so that you won't fall into bad habits. Consider Jesus. Fix your eyes on Him. That has been on my mind so much lately. I, I can't get rid of it to the point where I've, just, I've really stopped watching the news. Because if I fix my eyes on the news and that's all that I'm putting in, it's going to cause fear and anxiety and stress and all sorts of concerns. If I look over here to what's going on over here or over there to what's going on over here with these people and those people, it's going to do the same thing. I have right now, I'm just, listen, this is where I'm at in my life. I'm being real honest with y'all. I have got to fix my eyes on Jesus. Because if we do that, you know, then I can see what's going on in the world after and go, it's okay. He is for me. He is for me. Amen. But we have to fix our eyes on him. So I'm asking you, where are you looking? Where are we looking? Because if you're only on social media and you're only watching the news and you're only reading all those reports of what the world is saying, hello, and you're not fixing your eyes on Jesus, yeah, no wonder you want to take off in a rocket ship. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life to the full. So I'm going to fix my eyes on that because I live for him and he is my savior. And I want to challenge you all to really look and really examine where your eyes are right now. Are they, are they on TV? Are they on social media? Are, in, are they in the word of God? We got to fix our eyes on Jesus. All right, he continues on, verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Pretty crazy here, okay? Let's just examine for a second who the devil has sent to attack us. It's not his JV squad. All right? It's not the bench warmers who don't have anything else to do. It says here, Paul says that he sent the rulers of the dark world, the ones that are in charge, the authorities and the powers, all right? The head honchos, the best of the best, the devil's dream team is after our souls. So this battle that we are facing is not against some rinky-dink team. It's against the best of the best. And we need to know that. You know what I, what I kind of like about that? The devil has to send his best. Amen. He has to. Because he knows who he's going up against. And in that, and when he's sending his best, his rulers, his authorities, and his powers, no matter how good they are, because none of them can hold a candle to Jesus Christ. Amen. None of them. So bring it on. Because he's going to lose. He's already lost. And we know, we know the end of the book that Jesus is coming back. And those rulers and those authorities and those powers are going to bend the knee to the authority of Jesus Christ. So we don't need to be afraid. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on. Verse 13, therefore. Everyone say therefore. therefore. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, 
to stand. So we're faced with these powers and these authorities and these rulers of the dark world. And Paul says, look, it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. You've got something that you need to do. Therefore, because of this, because of this reality, put on the armor. Get ready for battle. Get ready. Because they're coming, but it's okay. Stand. And when you've done everything else, stand. I love that. Because soldiers don't sit. Soldiers stand. No battle, no war has ever been won with the soldiers sitting down. They stand up and they fight. Therefore, put on the armor of God and let's fight. Let's fight. Acts chapter 7. Ben, why don't y'all come on up? Acts chapter 7 tells an awesome story of standing. And it's a story of Stephen, the first martyr of Jesus, young guy. And he's, he's basically in this trial. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but he, he kind of walks the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin through the Old Testament, which is kind of a smack in the face to them, which I love. And he gets to the end. And he says this in this court. As he's talking to the Pharisees here, starting in verse 51, he says, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, translation, strengthened by the Lord and his mighty power, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. When these Pharisees get mad at Stephen, it says that they gnash their teeth. You know where else you see this? In Luke 13, Jesus is telling what it's going to be like for those that don't get into heaven. And you know what he says? There's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we see here this, this demonic evilness of this attack on Stephen. It is not flesh and blood. What is coming out in this hate over Stephen? is powers and rulers and authorities manifesting itself in people. And he's strengthened by the Lord. And then it says, Jesus is standing for Stephen. So when we stand, when we stand against the attack of the enemy, we need to know that Jesus is standing for us. And he's interceding on our behalf and as we continue to stand, we are strengthened by the Holy Spirit. So let's stand right now. Come on, church. And here's something else that I want to point out. 
Because this is not a fairy tale ending for Stephen. He dies in this moment, but he stands. And as he is standing for Jesus, there's a guy named Saul right there watching everything. This Saul is the Saul that becomes Paul, that writes most of the, that is writing what we're studying this morning. And I believe a hundred thousand percent that God put Saul right there so he could see what, what standing for Jesus looked like. So that when he was shipwrecked and snake bitten and beaten and arrested, he could say, I'm gonna stand like Stephen did. And there's times when we can stand, but we need people to stand for us. And let me tell you, church, people are watching. Saul was watching. And I don't believe that that moment was lost on him at all. And if we can stand against the enemy, if we can stand against racism and injustice and hatred, people will stand with us. And it might not be at that moment, but down the road, they're gonna remember what it looked like when people stood for Jesus. And who knows what they're gonna do for the Lord. But we gotta be strengthened by Him. We gotta be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Will you stand? I'm gonna stand. I'm standing. I'm gonna fix my eyes on Jesus because the joy that was set before Him was us. Jesus stood for us. That was the joy that got Him through when He had to stand against being beaten and being crucified on a cross. He did it for us. And this morning, if you have not received Jesus, know that he died for you and he stood. He stood in the gap for you so that you could stand as well. Will you stand? Will you stand? Come on.